one of the biggest myths is that brands won't work with you if you don't have a lot of numbers, right? If you don't have followers or engagement or views or whatever it is, and that could not be further from the truth. And so just start off, just uh, start off with who you are and what you do. My name is Justin Moore. I am the founder of Creator Wizard. I am a sponsorship coach and I teach you how to find and negotiate your dream partnership so that you stop leaving thousands on the table. So how did you get into the world of of sponsorships and teaching people about that? Yeah, so uh, I started off uh, on first channel on YouTube in 2009, if you can believe it. So way back <laughs> in the day before there was even a partner program, there really was no way that you could make money on YouTube at the time. And so it was actually my wife who started uh, the first channel. Um, and it was very much just coming from a, a passion uh, project of hers, basically. She really loved beauty, skincare, cosmetics, all that stuff, and, and never had anyone in her life around her circle of friends or family who was into that kind of thing. And so I uh, was, you know, this was like early days of YouTube, right? And so we were, uh, I was watching all the hilarious videos and, you know, on, on YouTube. And I kept saying like, honey, you got to try, like, go check out YouTube. There's all these, uh, you know, at the time they were called like beauty gurus, uh, on, on YouTube who were doing, you know, makeup tutorials and stuff like that. I said, I feel like you would be really good at that. And she was just resisting for years and years and years. And then finally she, she uploaded her first video, uh, used our webcam. Literally, we didn't even have a camera. There was no such thing as a smartphone back in the day y'all. And, uh, you know, used our webcam. It was terrible quality, super pixelated. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the first video. And, and so she just kept on doing it because she loved it, honestly. Um, and the thing that excited her the most was that uh, brands started reaching out, offering her free stuff. That was like to her, that was she won. She was like, I have won in life. Success is mine. And, you know, because makeup is expensive, whether it was like hair, you know, tools or like curling irons or whatever it was. Um, and so like that was our first exposure to actually like working with brands. Uh, but even then, it was not like a, this formalized collaboration. It was just like free stuff. Here you go. Right. And so it wasn't until several years later that uh you know, she landed her first paid partnership. Um, and so that was when things really shifted for us because we all of a sudden realized like, wow, there are actually brands out there willing to, to pay us money <laughs> to, uh, you know, to actually talk about them on social media, you know, because social media had always been kind of our side hustle. You know, we were, my wife was a preschool teacher after we graduated, I was in medical devices. Um, and so uh, it very, we were not looking at this as a career. It was je definitely just, you know, something. And by this time she had gotten monetized on YouTube. And so she was making some money, but the real aha moment I think for us was that we saw how much money brands were willing to pay relative to the AdSense. Cause like in the beginning, it's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks, you know, a good month was maybe a thousand bucks or something, but like for a brand to pay several thousand dollars for one post or one video, it was like, wow, oh, okay. So we can actually make a lot of money working with brands versus the constant hamster wheel of like posting on social media and getting views on YouTube and all that stuff. Right. Um, and so, so that was when we really doubled down on working with brands. Um, and so got, you know, over the years, uh, you know, we fast forward to today, basically we've done, uh, literally over 500 sponsorships. Uh, personally, we've made over $4 million working with brands. Um, and then the other about seven years. And so I've seen the other side of the, of the 
table basically of like, like why do brands hire certain creators and not others? How do they allocate, you know, if they have a hundred thousand dollars or $500,000, how do they decide who gets what, you know? Um, and so this, these two perspectives, uh, I was sitting here thinking a couple of years ago, like, man, there's a lot of really interesting things to, to teach creators around how to professionalize themselves, how to be responsive, how to, you know, make brands want to hire them again. Right. Cause I've seen it all. Uh, and so that was when I started creating content, um, under the creator wizard moniker and, and teaching, uh, folks about sponsorships yeah that's that's quite a bit of experience with that especially having that on the uh the other side of that with the the agency so you mentioned that you know obviously a bit about working with them what do brands look for in a creator um is that is that like the like you said responsiveness or is that audience community what are some of the things that they look for when choosing creators to sponsorship? So I think that one of the biggest myths is that brands won't work with you if you don't have a lot of numbers, right? If you don't have followers or engagement or views or whatever it is, and that could not be further from the truth. One of the reasons why brands want to work with creators or hire folks is because they don't have it all figured out, right? Like lots of people think, oh yeah, brands are super savvy and they got all these people that they hire who are super smart and like all this stuff. And People who are working at these brands are just like you and me. Uh, and in fact, they often know less about it because who we are the ones who are doing it day in and day out, actually creating the content, understanding what's working with the algorithm, understanding the subtleties between the different platforms, right? TikTok is very different than YouTube. It's very different than Twitter. It's like all these different differences, right? And so oftentimes they will hire you for your expertise. Um, in addition to that, so one of the core things that I teach is that there are three main campaign goal types that every brand will have when they wanna work with the creator on a campaign. And so the first one is called conversion. So this is where they wanna drive some sort of very specific action, right? Like drive sales or downloads on their app or you know coupon redemptions or whatever it is, right? Um, so the whole reason they actually wanna hire you is so that they can take your video and run ads with it on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or something like that, right? So they don't even really care that you're posting it on your platforms, right? And then the final campaign goal type is brand awareness. And this is where they're launching a new product or maybe it's a, uh, you know, a, a brand that's, you know, very popular in Europe and now they're coming to the US or something. And so they, they're trying to do this kind of splashy launch. And the reason that it's so critical that you as a creator uh, ascertain what is the goal that this brand has when hiring you now uh, is that your proposal or what you're pitching them actually should change. And so I think that, you know, to your original question, like what are brands actually looking for? It's that they are looking for creators who can help them accomplish a marketing objective. It's not just, oh, let's go out and hire a bunch of creators just to say we're working with influencers or whatever. It's like, no, we have this thing that we're trying to do. Let's go hire some people to help us accomplish that. And so I think that a lot of creators, this gets lost in translation when a brand reaches out. They're just like, oh, how much to work with you? And the creator says 2,000 or 500 or whatever it is. It's like, there's no, there's no kind of, uh, you know, rapport building. You're not asking any questions. It's just like this very uh, commoditized experience, right? And so no wonder the brand is not hiring you again because there was just no, uh, there was no rapport generated. And so I think that's one of the biggest mistakes is just not, not being invested in the outcome as a creator. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned that it's like, there's like those three things. When you're working with a brand, should 
would the brand approach you with a specific one of those and then like ask you about that or should you like you ask them how does that kind of exchange work so what i have found is that uh, a lot of brands don't know actually uh, and so it's the onus is actually on you as a creator to have this conversation because oftentimes what they'll say is they'll be like oh we want conversion and brand awareness it's like no, you can't have both. The way in which you actually create the content would be very different, right? If it's a conversion-focused campaign, probably what you're gonna recommend is, hey, let's do a bunch of Instagram stories because I can put link stickers on every single one of those frames and it's gonna drive to the landing page. You'll get people to sign up or you get people to buy the product or whatever. That is all I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna do any YouTube videos. I'm not gonna do any reels. I'm not gonna do any of that crap because it doesn't. That's you told me that you wanna drive sales, so this is what I'm recommending, okay? Um, and then, and if, if they say brand awareness, then yeah, maybe we do the YouTube video, we do the reels, we do the TikToks, the top of funnel type of stuff. And so your tactics should are to have that conversation with them, even if they don't realize it, right? And so um, th a lot of these, like, I will say that as a brand gets savvier, as brands get larger, and as they you know, have teams to do this type of thing, they will start to use some of this language around you know, how around the different goal types. But especially smaller and medium-sized brands, um, they, they just won't. And so it's, it's your job to, to, to talk about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, if you're like a smaller creator and you're maybe, I don't know, newer to sponsorships, should you be reaching out to the brands that you feel fit your content niche or you should you wait for brands to approach you? So yeah, again, this is a, another giant myth, which is that you have to just sit on your hands and refresh your email inbox until someone reaches out to you. And you literally have no control over whether a brand reaches out to you tomorrow or next week or never, right? And so it's never too early to start reaching out to brands to propose a, a partnership. Um, here's a good example. So let's say that uh, you there's a smaller or medium-sized brand that you are just absolutely in love with. You love their, your, their products or their services or whatever. And you determine that you know, they are doing a pretty crappy job of uh, their social media strategy, right? Maybe they're not posting super frequently. Maybe they don't even have a TikTok presence yet. You know, maybe they don't, you know, X, Y, Z. There's these deficiencies that you've identified in their social media strategy. And so when you reach out to them, your pitch is not, hey, I'll talk to you. I'll talk about you on, you know, to my 2,000 or 3,000 followers. It's no, let me help you develop a more robust social media strategy. I can actually help create content for you on an ongoing basis that's high quality. We'll repurpose it across these different platforms. Yes, it's gonna be $5,000 a month, but I can help you do that. You don't need to go out and hire a full-time employee to do that, right? Um, and so the beautiful thing about that type of, of partnership is that how many followers you have doesn't matter at all, right? And so that type of pitch or that type of relationship would never have developed unless you're the one to make that pitch, right? Because they're not gonna go out there and be like, oh, maybe we can go hire a social media creator to do this for for, for us. They'll think, no, let, like, let's make a job posting and put it on LinkedIn or put it on Indeed to find a social media coordinator or content marketing person or whatever. They just don't think like, is there anyone out there interested like who's a creator who actually might do this job for us? No, it's actually your job to, uh, no pun intended, it's your job to reach out and, and propose something like that. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Is there kind of like a, a threshold for that? Or is it just like, if you have the, the ability and the knowledge that so you should I have, do that? 
Yeah, I mean, I have a, a, a video on my YouTube channel called How to Get Sponsorships with Zero Subscribers, <laughs> right? Which is, the, the joke is, 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 you know, you're at that point, regardless of where you're at, you know, uh, on your journey, especially in the beginning, um, your platform now serves as your portfolio, right? And it's because again, the thrust of the pitch is not, oh, I'm gonna like move the needle for you talking to like my couple hundred, couple thousand uh, followers. It's that, no, I know what I'm doing. I can create compelling content. I understand these social media platforms. The other, the other uh, like insight here is that a lot of creators, like the extent of their brand targeting strategy is like, I'm gonna go after these giant brands, Adidas and Nike and like Coca-Cola and like all this stuff. And yes, sometimes those brands do micro and nano uh, influencer campaigns, but the vast majority of the time they don't. And so there's a huge opportunity for you to even identify some businesses in your local community that you could actually help out. And so, yeah, maybe the the proposal that you're giving to the local Philly cheese tape shop, you know, cheesesteak shock that has, you know, maybe five locations around your city. Yeah, the pitch is not gonna be, oh, I'm gonna talk about you on my TikTok. It's your pitch is I'm gonna help you drive more foot traffic into your locations by doing the following. Right. And so it's a different type of challenge, but I bet you could do that as a creator. And so I guarantee you, they probably do not have a full-time marketing person, right? But they do have marketing dollars because they know they need to generate people coming in and maybe they're sell selling ads, you know, putting ads in the local penny saver or whatever, or like bus benches and billboard, whatever. Right. And so your job is to like make the pitch to them. Like, hey, like funnel two grand of that money that you're spending every month on marketing to me and I'll help develop your social media strategy. So again, there's so, and again, it doesn't matter how many followers you have at that point. It's you're using your expertise and experience on social media uh, to prove that you can do the job. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. If you're, you are approaching a brand like that, is it worth like negotiating if it's like your first one or early on, should you negotiate with the brand? Um, to try and get like a better deal for you or should you kind of just like take what you can get to start off? Yeah, I mean, I understand that there are imposter syndrome and confidence considerations here, right? Like uh, just feeling nervous. Like if you're gonna, if you counter offer, right? Or you try to negotiate that the brand's just gonna pull the deal off the table, right? Like I know that that fear exists and I also know that there is value in repetitions, right? There is value in actually doing the partnership, kind of getting that experience under your belt, understanding what it's like back and forth, feedback from the from the brand or the company and so on. Um, but, uh, you know, you ought to not hire you. What are their alternatives, right? Okay, so if, if let's say in that scenario where we just talked about where you know, the Philly cheesesteak shop. I don't know why I'm using this example, but I just randomly pulled it out of thin air. Um, if they're, if you're them, they have to spend marketing dollars, right? To get people into the shop, right? So like I said, it's the penny saver, it's the billboards and bus, maybe it's local TV ads or whatever it is, right? And so that is where they're gonna spend the money if they didn't hire you. And so understanding that for you to counter offer and to say, hey, you know, I know you're saying, oh, 500 bucks or whatever, but here's why I think an investment of $1,000 makes more sense. 
uh, because you know you draw a direct comparison to the current tactics that they're using, right? And you can say, I actually think this would be a more efficient spend of your marketing dollars if we were to do you know targeted ads on Facebook within a five mile radius of your location, or you know blah 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 blah, whatever whatever you propose. But like your job is to is to educate them that uh, that the reason they need to pay you more is because it's a better investment than the other things they're doing, right? Um, and so so I get it. I understand that it's it's hard in the beginning, um, but uh, you know, understanding your worth and understanding their alternatives were they not to hire you is a really important part of this. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, like kind of going back a little bit, if you're you're choosing a brand or or like we were talking about, um, like a local shop, should you, uh, I mean, I guess, like, how specific to your niche should you try to go? Um, like, is it worth getting something that's, like, right in line with what you do? Or, like, how, how branched off can you go with that? Yeah, so there's a really important concept uh, when it comes to targeting brands um, to discuss, which is that the most important factor is not actually your niche. It's actually your audience's psychographics. And so I'm not talking about demographics. Demographics is like, oh, where they live and their ages and their genders and all that stuff, right? And that's, yeah, that's helpful. But it's really understanding their personalities and psychological characteristics, habits, behaviors. Those are the things that are the most important thing. Where are they actually consuming your content? Are they in line at Starbucks and they're just scrolling real quickly, watching you know, watching thirty seconds of your of your, one of your short form pieces? Are they laying in bed watching an hour long live stream of yours? Are they do like where are they interacting with your brand business, right, or your you know creator business? Um, you know, what are the things that are keeping them up at night? Are they you know college students and they're worried about finding their you know, their first job? Are they like like under really double clicking and understanding more about your audience? And the way in which you do this as a creator is you literally ask them <laughs> on Instagram stories or you put out a Google form survey. Hey, I want to know more about you. Like, you know, fill this out kind of thing. Um, and so once you're armed with that data, then you can start to determine, oh, wow, this is interesting. I have like a non-trivial amount of my audience who is seniors in college and they're just about to graduate. Um, wow, maybe I should go out and start targeting a company like Indeed or monster jobs or something where I can, and, and, and the other like um, cool part about this is that it, perhaps it might inform your content strategy as a creator, like the, your organic content strategy, right? You'd be like, oh, good to know. I have a lot of people in my audience who like, this is a problem for them. Let me go make a video about that. Everything's so much simpler because a lot of creators, like you said, they think, oh, I'm like a, I'm a quilting creator. Like I only make quilting videos and the only company I could ever partner with is like, quilting manufacturers, right? Whereas let's say that person did a survey their audience and found out that they have a bunch of people who homeschool their children who watch their channel. Well, maybe they should go out there and, and you know, forge a partnership with a, a company that makes, uh, you know, software to help educate kids at home, right? And so you, there, I'm sure you could find a creative way to integrate that into your content. And so again, like it, it's very, very important that it's audience first because um, otherwise it's gonna be pretty difficult to determine who would be a good fit. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. It's, that's a good way to phrase it. I've never really heard it phrased like that, like basing the sponsorships off of your community. But that's definitely the way that it is, and that's a good way to phrase it. So, cool. If you're like building like an audience, 
um, you know, kind of growing an audience. Building a community is kind of a thing that's talked about a lot. And how important would you say that that is when approaching a brand for a sponsorship? Should you advertise, like, I have this, like, very, like, tight-knit community instead of, like, I have this amount of followers? Is that a better way to approach it? So let's split hairs here for a second to define what's the difference between an audience and a community. So by by nature of you being up here on this pulpit, you having a platform, and you essentially bestowing content to people, right? It's like a one-way, in essence, a one-way communication channel. You create the content, they consume it, right? A community is not that. There are... Uh, spokes, if you look at it like a wheel, like people all around the community, right? There are spokes between all of the people and each other, not just you, right? So they're talking to each other, not just like listening to you, right? And I think that that's whenever people throw around the word community, it's like, okay, are your community members actually talking to each other in DMs, in a private asynchronous forum somewhere? Because if they're not, you don't have a community, you have an audience, right? And so um, I think that's a very important distinction to make uh, because if you're going to start like talking to brands about how they can tap into your community, but you don't actually have a, a way for the brands to, to actually do that, right? You don't have a private discord or you don't have a circle or whatever it is, then you don't have a community. You don't have a community at all. Um, and so uh, I do think, however, though, that that actually can be a very powerful uh, thing to uh, you know, discuss with a brand. If you do have a vibrant community, um, there are definitely ways that that brand could come in and add value. Maybe, maybe someone from their marketing team or someone from their, you know, research team can come in and do a webinar or something to your community, right? And they, your community can ask the brand question or something like that. And so, yes, the brand has to comp compensate you for access to your community, of course. Um, but it's like that, that, yeah, that can be an absolutely potent, uh, you know, option uh, when you're trying to figure out how you can collaborate with with certain partners yeah definitely that makes a lot of sense one thing one like example that's really um i guess relevant in like today's creator economy i've seen well i've seen ksi and i've also seen colin and samir they both have subreddits which is like one of the I don't know. I guess it's a really underrated way of like having a community because everyone like talks to each other and it's like it is a platform mm -hmm. for that. And I don't think many other people do that, which is really interesting. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people don't. I think one of the reasons, um, candidly, so I know that the Colin and Samir Discord, I was at Vid Summit, so I heard them talking about this, is that um, like that evolved completely naturally. They had no. I think also the subreddit, like they had no involvement in it. It was like the community created it. Um, I think one of the challenges for the the majority of, of folks, I would say, is that um, they don't either have a large enough audience that that's like something that's created organically, not by them, right? It's like some fan created it and like rallies people together. Like, let's go talk about this creator, right? And so, um, the way most creators think about it is like, oh, okay, this is something I'm gonna need to create and administer. I have to be the one moderating it and like asking questions and like ensuring that people are like active and all that stuff. And so to most people, that seems very, um, it seems like a lot of work, right? Especially if they're creating content on other platforms and so on. And so they don't see the direct value in putting in that effort. 
uh, to nurture a community like that. Um, but you're right, it can be a, a, a pretty powerful thing uh, if you know it develops organically from the community. Yeah, definitely. Now, going back to like, I guess, beginner and uh, newer, newer creators, um, if they're like, I guess just how much thought should you put into getting sponsorships like in the beginning versus like how much thought should you put into um, just like building your brand and like how much is the branding so of when a it creator? comes to building out um, your own brand like identity as a creator that? it is very important because there's a lot of tire kicking that goes on when a brand is trying to determine if they want to partner with you or not right um, you know, so the way it actually, you know, oftentimes happens is that let's say a brand uh, wants to run a camp, wants to run a campaign with with some creators. If they're a larger brand, they probably have an agency. And so the agency, they bring in the agency, they say, hey, we want to work with creators. And so the agency they, and the brand says, OK, like send us a proposal <laughs> to the agency. And so the agency goes and they look through a bunch of profiles. They find, you know, 50, 100 people within this criteria, right? Maybe it's a fashion influencer, food influencer on Instagram, TikTok, this many followers, demographics, whatever, right? Um, and so then before they even reach out to you, they will put together their own internal presentation. 40 people might be a good fit. And then the brand looks at all those options and says, okay, let's reach out to Owen and these other eight people. And then they reach out to you, right? And so um, you can you can see in this scenario how important it is to curate a very polished presence as a creator because if you don't, the brand is not going to include you in their initial presentation to the brand, right? Uh, or the agency, right? So, um, so, so actually, my uh, a course that uh, I have called "Gifted to Paid." I just released it a couple weeks ago, and I talk about this uh, particular thing in extreme detail because uh, I think a lot of creators really don't realize that this type of thing is going on, right? If you are making a lot of creators focus on, oh, I'm going to go viral, and so they do the latest trend or they do the latest X, Y, Z, and like, yeah, they may be getting the views or the engagement, but a brand lands on that piece of content, and they're just like, whoa, I am never hiring this person. Right. They're, they're swearing too much or they're doing risque things or they're, you know, just like we wouldn't work with the creator like that. Right. And so I think a lot of creators get wrapped up in the kind of like, oh, I'm gonna, I need to get views. I need to go viral without understanding what the repercussions are are of that in terms of limiting their potential uh, brand partnership opportunities. Um, so so that that's one thing. And then your uh, your other part of the question, which is like, when, how should they balance it? Like as you're building your career, when should you focus on sponsorships versus like building your actual brand as a creator? Um, I think that you should be building your business from the beginning with sponsorships in mind. It be a non-trivial part of your income. If you never want to do that, if you just want to do make money off your YouTube ads and you know, just you want to do, uh, you know, maybe you're going to directly monetize your your following through courses or coaching or merchandise or whatever it is, um, then yeah, you can be as crazy as you want as long as hopefully you don't get demonetized on YouTube. But but like, you know, if you do, you, you know, if you do want to work with partners, like you need to curate a, uh, to some degree, a family friendly social media persona. You have to understand that you can't be doing and saying crazy stuff on Twitter you know, if you want to like be an ambassador for a large brand where that type of stuff matters. And so um, I do think that from the beginning at the very early stages, if you do think that like working with brands is a way in which you will derive income, you have to be thoughtful of that. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because there, there are a lot of things that would go viral that most brands would definitely not like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking about like getting sponsorships um, like from the beginning, are a lot of brands looking for more short-term sponsorships or more like like reoccurring long-term sponsorships? Um, what's kind of the split there or does it just kind of vary? Brands would prefer having longer term partners, but in reality, they almost always need to have some sort of initial partnership or trial type idea um, before they can feel comfortable writing a fat check <laughs> to, to work with someone for 12 months. Um, and the reason is, is I, I can speak firsthand to this, is that a lot of creators are very unprofessional, candidly. They're not communicative. They un- they don't understand that brands have deadlines to meet. You know, we got to post this stuff on this specific day, you know, in this four hour time span or whatever. Um, like that stuff matters, right? And if you are very flippant about that, you're not detail oriented, um, they're not going to sign a 12 month partnership with someone out the gates before they have an, ex- you know, an experience or understanding of like uh, how good of a partner that that person's going to be over the long run. Right. And so in my experience, I know creators are just like, oh, I just want like long term partnerships. I don't want to do all these one off things. Well, the reason that brands do these one off things is that they need to first see like if you're legit. Right. Um, and so and so, yes, like after the initial partnership, it's much easier to have that conversation with the brand and be like, you know, Hey, it was so great working with you. Let's turn this into a long-term thing. Um, that's going to be a much easier sell than. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Is, I don't know how I'm trying to phrase this. If brands are looking for um, like those long-term sponsorships, you said that you kind of have to approach it with like professionalism. Should you be like uh, going in with the mindset that you like want to keep working with the brand or are you also going in with the mindset that you are just like testing it out to see if you want to work with the brand? So, I mean, it's a great question. Like, you know, it absolutely has to be, it's just like a job interview, right? Like when you go in and you're interviewing for for a position, um, you should be asking them questions to determine whether you think it would be a good fit for you too, right? It's not just like them peppering you with questions, right? Um, and like you you could go into it having the best of intentions only to discover that the brand is like an absolute nightmare to work with, then, you know, and, and that happens sometimes, right? They ask for like 15 million edits and revisions and all this stuff, right? And you're just like, oh my God, I'm never going to work with this brand again, right? And so, yeah, like absolutely you should go into every relationship with the you know, expectation and hope that it turns into something longer term. But, um, you know, like it's a great, uh, you know, practice to also be evaluating them in the back of your mind, you know, whether or not this is someone you'd want to work with uh, longer term as well. Yeah, definitely. Now, getting into like, I guess, more modern, um, not modern because it's like everything's modern, but in today's today's creator economy, um, with a short form content, how do you think that's going to like kind of keep evolving? Do you think it's going to be more like, um, creators just like using a product and then like briefly talking about it? Cause it's like, you only have a very short time in shorts. Like how should the advertising do you think work? And how do you think that'll change? So I think that 
short form content serves a very different purpose for, you know, depending on the type of, of marketing uh, campaign and tactic that the brand is trying to, uh, to execute. So, um, you know, a, a, a brand worth their salt, a brand that has a multi-platform strategy, right? Where they're on, they're doing long form content. They're doing, you know, pretty, pretty pictures on Instagram. They're doing r more raw stuff on, you know, TikTok or YouTube shorts or reels or whatever. Um, like, Brands under, should understand that you have to take a different approach for all those things. And so, yeah, maybe the, you know, 30 second TikTok integration that they do with Creator X, you know, you're only going to have enough time to maybe plug one of the features or benefits of the product or the program or the service or whatever. But in a long form dedicated YouTube review, that's a totally different uh, format, right? And so the person watching that creator has a different expectation of, uh, you know, how this, this brand would be showcased. Right. Um, and so I think the, the best brands understand that, um, and understand they have different levels of expectations based on the medium. Uh, and so for short form content in particular, um, you know, you as a creator should feel, um, you know, you, you should feel as though you're able to uh, flex your own expertise and say to the brand, hey, you know, I, I know you're telling me I need to get all four of these talking points into the, you know, 28 second video, but it's not gonna do well if I, it's just like, if I'm just sitting there rattle, rattling off talking points. So I actually think it would be better if we just kept it to the one or two most important ones, right? And so can you tell me which ones, you know, which of these four you want me to really hit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now you're, you're kind of, I've seen on your branding, just something is like um, how not to leave money on the table. What are some of the mistakes that you see uh, creators making when working with brands? Because you've obviously worked with brands. You've worked with an agency. Um, what are some of those? I mean, the biggest one probably is creators love negotiating against themselves. <laughs> I mean, they will, uh, This it takes this the following form, um, you know, our agency, let's say, would reach out and say, hey, we've got this awesome partnership with, gosh, I'm so excited. I love this brand. I normally charge X, but since I'm so excited about this partnership, I'll charge Y, which is like, you know, half or, or something above what they said their normal rate is. And, and here we are thinking over here as the agency, like, uh, I mean, okay, we, we didn't ask you if you could come down on your rate, but, and so I think it's just a, it's a, uh, uh, a very strange uh, dynamic that I've seen over and over and over and over. I think it comes from creators feeling as though um, they're so lucky that this brand or this agency reached out. And if they don't make it work, then they're just going to go and they're going to go pick some other creator who like will do it for cheaper. Right. And so they don't have any confidence that what they are bringing to the table uniquely uh, has any value, uh, you know, any difference in value from the other lifestyle creator sitting next to them kind of thing, right? Um, and so a lot of, you know, going back to this whole branding uh, thing that you mentioned as a creator, it's like, you have to really sit and think about what is my value proposition, my unique value proposition as a creator? What is it that I'm bringing to the table that all these other people are not? And how can I articulate that to a brand? And so, um, yeah, I mean, but, the, but honestly, you know, stop saying that, say my rate is, you know, the investment is going to be this, right? Well, I, better yet, actually, what I teach in my course, Brand Deal Wizard, um, my live course, is that you never just say one number. You never just say, oh, it's going to be $2,000. You say, no, okay, that's so interesting. Thank you. I'm excited about this. Here is a few different packages of different ways in which we can work together so you can get an understanding of of all these different um, 
you know, how this relationship can, can go. That's really interesting. What would like a, a package look like in terms of, um, like content that you produce for the brand and like pricing for that? I mean, obviously the pricing is going to vary based on your size, but like how would that vary across like packages for like an individual case? So to clarify, it does not vary. It does not vary based on your size. <laughs> a lot of creator thinks. A lot of creators think, oh, the more followers I have, the more or the more views. I mean, the more the, the views and impressions and all that stuff. It is, it is tied into that. But followers is a completely meaningless metric now. It does not matter how many followers you have. Uh, so if you're using some sort of weird formula to like calculate your rates based on your following, stop doing that. Um, <laughs> but um, when it comes to package strategy, so a lot of it, um, you know, one of the things I talk about in the course is uh, this concept of price anchoring, um, where, you know, let's say the brand says, oh, how much for one TikTok? Package one, sure, I'll tell you what it's going to be for one TikTok. That's going to be package one, right? But I'm also going to give you, I know you didn't ask me for this, but I'm also going to give you a couple other packages, right? Package two is going to be two. TikToks. Package three is going to be four TikToks. Package five is going to be, oh, I'm actually going to create uh, 10 TikToks that you can repurpose on your handle that I don't even post, right? A lot of it comes down to, again, like we said, going back to the campaign goal. What did they say they wanted to accomplish? Okay. And the packages that you present to them is completely in alignment with that. Um, and so I think that that's what a lot of folks are missing. And so, yeah, maybe your package five is going to be $25,000 when they said that their budget was $2,000, your package five, that's going to be $10,000 or $20,000 or something like that, because you're, you're stretching their mind and helping them understand that because, because this is what happens, honestly, when a brand reaches out to you, they're not just going to be working with you. They probably reached out to 20 other people. And so by showing them these other packages and how you can do, you know, more posts for them and make, you know, basically what you're saying is like, Hey, I can make your life easier. Just hire me. I'll make five videos for you instead of one. And then you don't have to go out and hire four other influencers. You don't have to deal with four other contracts or four other email threads. Just work with me. Yeah, you got to pay me five times the amount of money, but I'll make your life easier. And so that is, that is what you are, are uh, indirectly communicating when you do things like that. That's an interesting way to look at it. Cause there definitely is that in like other branding of like, um, I don't know. Streaming services came to mind when you mentioned that. Um, Cause it's like, you do get lots of things in one place, which is essentially the same thing, same concept as what you're talking mm -hmm. about. You get all of that advertising from one creator. Um, so like, what's like an average, like, I mean, I guess it might depend on the campaign, but when a brand is reaching out to creators, is it normally like a smaller pool or like, does it depend on the campaign size? You mean uh, in terms of the quantity of creators that they're reaching out to? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really depends. I mean, you know, some some brands will, uh, you know, oh, we're gonna do a nano influencer strategy and we wanna activate a thousand, it's like a full court press, right? Um, that is is much rarer in my experience than, uh, yeah, I would say kind of the sweet spot is that when most brands run a campaign, usually they're working with anywhere between one and 15 creators on any given campaign. Uh, and so it very much is, is it's not hundreds. Usually it's like a handful. Um, and so that's why doing some of these negotiation tactics and package strategies and stuff like that can be so effective because it's not like you're saying you're gonna make, oh, I'm gonna make 99 videos for you. It's like, no, I'll make five for you. And like, that's gonna, you know, have an impact based on the fact that you're working with a small handful of other people. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Now, 
I don't know if this is like, um, I don't know. I've just never heard anyone talk about it. Can you use sponsorships and like working with brands to grow your own? Um, I mean, grow your own brand. I mean, the right partnership. Absolutely. I mean, if you can convince a brand, I mean, for example, in that situation that we, uh, we talked about before, um, what if you pitch to a brand to be the, their face, the face of their brand on their social media and you're kind of their talent. Um, you're their primary brand ambassador. And so you start creating tons and tons of content on a brand's handle that has a lot of followers, by the way. And yeah, maybe you negotiate into that, that you're tagging your personal account in some of those posts, right? And people are understanding like, oh, this is the, you know, Owen runs this other account. That's so cool. Let me go check out his personal account, right? So, um, you know, there, and then maybe the brand, personal brand. Uh, actually, I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have been able to do this uh, on Twitter, actually. So there have been, you know, not like social media creators per se, but like more kind of like professional B2B influencers almost where they are like, um, almost like the face of a very prominent company. Um, and then they move on from their job or whatever. And now they have this really prized personal brand where everyone knew them as like the face of social media for this big newsletter or media company or something like that. And now they're able to take that cachet uh, with them to do courses or coaching or you know, have their own TikTok or whatever it is. And so it definitely is possible. Yeah, that's really cool. That's, um, I don't know, not something too many people think about, but it definitely makes sense. So I want to keep it relatively short here. 40 minutes is good. Uh, I asked this to all of my, all of my guests. It catches everyone off guard. <laughs> what is one thing that you would buy, or I guess you'd recommend that people buy that's under $50. It can literally be anything. Some people have said like alarm clocks or like water bottles, just kind of like niche things. Under $50. Oh my gosh, Owen. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide <laughs> if I'm going to go the personal route or if I'm going to go the business route. Um, man, that's a hard do one. Do both. Uh, do both. Okay. Yeah. Um, might as well. All right. I would say uh, something that costs. I think it costs fourteen ninety nine, or maybe it's nineteen ninety nine. Is the five minute journal? I wish I had it in my hand right now, or like in my office. But uh, it literally is a uh, notebook that you. Uh, it's a five minute exercise. So three minutes in the morning, you write down what would make today great. You write down, uh, you know, what are like basically the it's essentially the things that you want to accomplish that day. Um, and um, so you spend three minutes in the morning and then at night you say, what did I learn and what was my highlight? Right. And uh, it really forces you to uh, articulate like the most important things to measurably improve my life. Wow. That's awesome. I love that answer. The whole like just journaling and just writing down ideas, writing down um, like what's going on what you want to achieve, what you want to accomplish. That's really important when you're trying to like, when you have a goal in mind, you're like trying to build a brand or trying to like get a job. It's really, I don't know if it's underrated, but not a lot of people do it, but you hear the successful people talk about doing it, which is really cool. So I love that answer. All right. So yeah. Awesome. Before we wrap up, do you have any any projects you're working on that you just want to talk about? Any any socials you want to plug? First, I mean, I think probably the best way to stay updated with everything I'm working on is my newsletter. I have a completely free newsletter where I literally send you sponsorship 
opportunities every single week, Owen. It is completely free. Uh, I actually send it twice a week because on Mondays I do Mindset Mondays, kind of like what we were talking about, just a lot of this confidence, imposter syndrome, uh, a lot of this mind. Literally, I'm sending you, hey, apply to this deal right here or you get paid. Um, and so uh, I think I've got 72, 7,300 creators on there now. Um, and so it's completely free. You can just go to creatorwizard.com slash join. Uh, and then I'm just uh, pretty much uh, everywhere on social media. I am at Creator Wizard. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the episode. Thanks again for having me, man.